Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year. And again, as I've told you many times, I'm not a theologian, so this is like inspiring you to pick up your own Bible and read it, but we can stay along together. And I give you my two cents. So even if you don't read it, you kind of have a clue of what's going on in the chapter. So today we're covering... Um, Second Chronicles thirteen fourteen and First Timothy five. So I'm going to do First Timothy five since I already have it open, and and that's okay because First Timothy five might ruffle some feathers, just the way Paul is communicating. Now, we've seen Paul communicate in many different ways, right? He's very harsh, or he's very kind, or he's very loving, or he's very apologetic. He speaks in many different ways. So if you keep that in the back of your mind, you have to also think about who was he talking to at this time and how is it speaking to you in your life in wherever you're at. Maybe it's going to mold and shape some of the way you think of things um, and you may not fully understand it because there's been amazing theologians and brilliant minds that have debated the Bible on on how they perceive something. So... With that said, I'll just read some simple passages. Um, Let's see. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat young men as brothers, older women as mothers, and young women as sisters with absolute purity. Nice. Okay, here's the interesting part. Where you move down to, let's see, let's go to verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should... Okay, so he's talking about the family... Put the okay, be, uh, caring for their own family by re, so repaying their parents and grandparents for this pleases God. The widow who was really in need, left alone. Okay, am I reading? I, I should have read it from the beginning. Beginning, all right, here we go. Verse 3 Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children and grandchildren, those who learn first of all to put their religion in. Um, grandchild, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. The widow who was really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives in pleasure is dead even while she lives. But the people give the people these instructions so that no one may open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So you could kind of go, ah, wait a second. Does, again, everyone has to kind of search their own soul and how does it speak to you where you're at in your life? You know, maybe somebody might kind of gently say, oh, that's a nice reminder to be more generous. Or someone might say, oh, um, I haven't been doing that. Or um, or they just kind of put that in, in a bank account of information. Um, so it's going to speak to people differently, but here's the also interesting thing. Why does it say the younger woman, the younger widow, um, lives in pleasure? What does that mean? Again, it will mean different things to different people. What does it mean by pleasure? Different things to different people. So then it's talking about taking care of widows and the no widow may be put on the list of a widow unless she's over 60. So widows 
over 60 were, consider, were to be taken care of. What about the younger widows? Paul said, so I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes and give the enemy no opportunity for slander because as she becomes a widow, if she doesn't, because she's young, she can work, she can, but she's not used to working. She can, um, there's going to be lots of temptations and confusion and frustrations and just a lot of, Paul's recognizing that the younger widow is going to wrestle with a lot more things. And that's going to open up the opportunity for the enemy to just lead her astray, to torment her, to have her do things that she's going to regret later. Moving on to verse 19, do not entertain accusations against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Interesting. Um, Talking about elders and how to take care of them and how to approach them if they're doing wrong. Here's one that I like. Verse 23, well, I like them all, but my favorite one is this. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Okay, wine back then is probably not the same wine that we have here. We probably add sugar or more of something into our wine here. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But it makes me think of like... If you have an upset stomach, you get a little bit of apple cider vinegar and water, maybe a cap full, a tip, cup, two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar and a glass of water. Drink that and it'll rebalance the acid in your stomach. <laughs> and it'll, it's, it'll stimulate the hydrochloric acid, which will kill bacteria and viruses and prevent illness. Isn't that the coolest thing? So the Bible's telling us right here how to stay healthy. So I am equating this to like apple cider vinegar, that literally will help stimulate your own hydrochloric acid so that you can kill viruses and bacteria. Super cool. Um, so, so what the part of the debate was is how you actually treat widows or how you actually treat elders. People will find that um, different opinions. Okay, moving on to Second Chronicles thirteen fourteen. We have this king... His name is Abijah. He is now the king of Judah. And because Rehoboam has died and he lived a good king, I guess. Well, I don't even remember. Was he a good guy, bad guy? He was sometimes, sometimes not. Okay, but Abijah now is the king of Judah and he's a good king. Um, And he is, so Jeroboam, He's still alive. He wants to go up against Abijah, the king of Judah. And Abijah stands in the, probably on the, I can imagine, standing on this hilltop, talking to the, the battle down below, saying, look, you know that the promise was given to, to King David and his downline. You know that you banished all the priests from Israel and you sent them away. So all the priests are over here. We are following the ways of the Lord. That means God is going to be on our side. Don't continue this battle. You will lose and you will die. Just go home, live peacefully because you know that God is on our side because we're doing these things that you know that they're, they're written. You know, it's, um, you know that King, King David's the chosen one and his offspring. <clears throat> and the king of Israel is not in King David's bloodline. Well, Jeroboam didn't care and he sent the troops anyway. And sure enough, there were many, many casualties. That's the part that's so upsetting sometimes. We read these stories about wars 
or even if we see it on a movie or something, and all we see are the leaders and how they send these soldiers into war. And then there's casualties. These are people with real lives and, and wives and children and lives. And so when you read something like um, hundreds of thousands of 500,000 casualties that were lost in the Israeli, the Israel side of this battle. 500,000. Unbelievable. So unbelievable. There's cities that are not even, most cities are not even 500,000 in this, you know, little towns and things like that. Anyways, and I would imagine that most of these men didn't even believe what Jeroboam was talking about, but they had to obey such loss. Okay, so then we move on to chapter 14, where Abijah has now passed, and he is resting with his ancestors in the city of David. His son is now the king, and his name is Asa, and he did good in the eyes of the Lord. Yay! Two points for God, <laughs> for, for Judah. Okay, two points for Judah. Um, he removed the foreign altars, uh, which was funny because why were there still foreign altars and high places? He smashed the sacred stones. Um, how come Abijah didn't take care of that? Well, we won't question that at this moment. But either way, Asa did good in the eyes of the Lord, got rid of all these things, and they lived in peace for how long? Ten years. So it's like Abijah, I mean, Asa, great king, now we're going to live in peace. Ten years, that's it? Yep, 10 years. And during that 10 years, Asa said, let's build up our, let's fortify our cities. Let's build up our army men. Let's create, uh, make shields and spears. Um, let's see, an army of 300,000 men from, oh, <laughs> Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah equipped with large shields and with spears and 200 and 80,000 from Benjamin, armed with small shields and with bows. All these were brave fighting men. So he's building up, because he knows peace doesn't last forever in this reality, in this world, in this broken world. Because the enemy is always looking. He's always waiting till your guard is down. He's waiting till you get too comfortable. He's waiting till you get complacent. And he waits, and he's got patience. And that's when he will tempt or strike. Then, so then um, the Cushites were, did attack Asa, and Asa called to the Lord, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord, our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against the vast army. Lord, you are God, and do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Now that's a prayer we should be praying every single day when we wake up, because what did God do? He showed up. He always shows up. He always shows up. We pray a prayer like that. We humble ourselves. We recognize our errors. Yeah. Did you put up idols in your home? Did In your life? Did you erect poles of whatever um, and, and high places of altars that belong to false gods? Maybe not that direct, but what in your life? is getting in the way of you just spending time reading the Bible. Like, really? People, if, you, if, if you're not reading your Bible every day, what is getting in your way? That's the thing that needs to be destroyed. If it's 
getting in your way of being able to read the Bible? Or what's stopping you from going to church? Are you busy? Is it all your responsibilities? Is it your sleep? Well, that needs to be changed because God's going to win your battles for you and you're making it hard. You're making this life too, too hard. You're climbing up the hill, just dragging this, these buckets full of nonsense. And God makes it so, 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 so easy to call on him and let him fight your battles for you. And he says, the Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Ashah and Judah. The Cushites fled. So he won, he won, he won. And you're going to see that pattern throughout the entire Bible from the beginning of Genesis to the end in Revelations. You're going to see when people humble themselves, God shows up. Hope you enjoyed that. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.